You're listening to Two-Tone Uncensored, the best damn Tennessee Titans podcast out there. I, of course, am your host, Ryan Moreland. Excited. We have a very big show for you today. Very excited about it. Before we jump headfirst into things, though, something I'm really passionate about, I want to talk about, it comes from a good friend of the show. Of course, I'm talking about uh, TTU Hall of Famer Brandon Williams and his church, uh, the New Beginning International Ministry. They're going to be doing a coat drive this winter to give out coats and hats and and food and stuff like that to the homeless in the Nashville area. It's an absolutely uh, amazing charity. Uh, Brandon, always an amazing person. Anybody who's listened to the show for a long time knows all the great things that he puts together. This is another one. They'll be accepting donations of hats, coats, gloves, hand warmers, uh, on-the-go Campbell soup and hygiene products for men and women, blankets, anything like that. They'll also be accepting cash if you don't live in the area or if you just want to give money. Uh, they'll be accepting it. And if you send cash in uh, to Brandon and the, the church, they will send you back a receipt showing everything that they bought with your money. So you know exactly where your money went and all of this, which I think is excellent. Uh, I'm going to have the entire address. It'll be on my Facebook and my Twitter. So if you want to give and partake in this, definitely do it. You know, I'm going to try to put a box of stuff together to send. It's a great great thing to do and and really great you know for this Tennessee and Nashville area to stick together we're all Titans fans we're all in this together and and help out some people that are in some need so a great thing put together by Brandon I wanted to give it a shout out before we jumped into the show but let's go ahead and jump into the show proper here uh, first, let's start with this Houston game. We win 24-13 to over the Texans. Get that revenge game and keep us even with uh, the Jaguars for the division race, you know, staying alive in the playoffs. And we'll talk about that playoff picture a little bit later. Starting with things we didn't like. I didn't even, I literally, I take my notes, guys. I have it in front of me right now so I can, you know, know what I'm talking about. I pull stats, stuff like that, obviously. I didn't even change what I wrote last week for this. Slow start, we only ever play one half of football. This one we did come alive a little bit in the second quarter, so we really played like two and a half quarters of football, which is you know, more than usual for us. But a very slow start for us, the fumble by Adoree Jackson. Then the subsequent drive, we continued to let them advance the ball down the field by getting dumb penalties, putting ourselves in situations we shouldn't be in. We let them keep the drive alive and put points on the board. We did that at a couple different times in this game which was disappointing. We need to be better. When we play these tougher teams down the road, like the Rams and the Jaguars, we're going to have to be able to start faster than that. The next one I noticed was Ben Jones. He's a guy that has only gotten praise from me you know, on this show, but low snaps on almost every shotgun snap. I mean, it was consistently bad the entire game. Definitely something they need to work on because it slows down the offense, it, you know, on a passing play, it means less time for Marcus to be able to read and get rid of the ball. On running plays, it slows down how fast the running back can take the ball and, and get down the field. It, it hurts us. You know, it might just be like a millisecond, but that does make a big difference in running and passing plays. That's something that needs to be fixed. And, you know, Ben Jones, normally we have nothing but great things to say about him. Since he has came, he's been uplifting to the center of our offensive line for sure. But that was definitely something I noticed in this game. The last one, Marcus showing a weaker arm. I noticed this on quite a few different plays throughout the game, and we talked about it last week. You know, with the um, things, that, issues that I have with the team this, so far this year, this is one of them. One perfect example is third and four, early in the second quarter. Mariota fired a pass to the left sideline to Johnny Smith. 
there had a lot more air under that ball than there needed to be. And it took a while to get there, so the defense pushed down, and, and it was an incomplete pass. If he would have fired it in there, Smith would have caught it, would have been a first down, and we would have continued to drive. Instead, we punted. One drive can be the difference between a win and a loss in a tight football game, and we have some tough opponents coming up. Marcus needs to work on this right now. There's not much that he can do, to be honest. There's not a whole lot he can do right now. But he needs to be able to fix this in the offseason by adding weight, like I said last week. So I'm not going to keep harboring on it, but definitely something I noticed. But we did get the win. This was a good game for us, and we stay even with Jacksonville in this playoff hunt. So we do have some good things to talk about, starting with Marcus Mariota, who we were just talking about. This game ends a four-game interception streak for Marcus Mariota. Four games in a row, he's thrown at least one interception. This game, he did not have any. Also, it is his first game with a touchdown and no pick since week three against the Seahawks. This definitely has been a rough year for Marcus throughout the entire season. He did not take the step forward a lot of us thought that he was going to. But this is good news. He did play well in this game. He managed the game really well. Even though his stat lines not you know blow you away impressive, he did enough to get a win here and allowed the other playmakers on the team to do their thing and get things done so we could get this division a win that was so important for our playoff race. So even though it wasn't his most impressive game, this was a very good game for Marcus Mariota, and that deserves recognition. The next one was the reemergence from DeMarco Murray. Man, he looked good in this game. 11 carries, 66 yards, 6 yards per carry on that. This was not the same DeMarco Murray that we have been seeing as of late. He was very impressive, getting good reads, running harder, you know, finding holes. He did a very good job in this game of finding ways to be successful against this defense. It was a much improved game for him. Also, Derrick Henry continues to have good games. He had over 100 yards in this one with the 75-yarder at the end of that game. This, though, was big for DeMarco Murray because I feel like a lot of us have been getting down on him. Last week, we talked about the Twitter poll that I had up, 81% of everybody who voted on that Twitter poll said it was time for Henry to get the start. You know, I agreed last week. Murray showed that he still has a lot left. He showed us a, a different... Murray than what we have been seeing as of late you know we've got to see the old Murray it was a big game for him you know even though it wasn't you know the most blow you away game it's a very impressive stat line off of 11 carries you know and both backs played very well in this football game obviously were a big part in the win for us I'm glad to see DeMarco Murray back I'm glad to see him and he seemed more healthy than we've seen him in a long time you know he didn't seem like he was running as hard I've mentioned that before and this game he did you know he was fighting for extra yards he was not going down on first contact not something we have seen as of late so definitely huge for DeMarco Murray but also huge for us as we get into this playoff push and into the playoffs we're going to need him to be successful in the win football games so awesome seeing him back in action and playing the way that he ought to be and the last good thing that I really took away from this is LaShawn Sims really stepping up when we needed him. This is a guy that he's kind of had a, a bumpy start to his career. He's really performed well in certain points, and, you know, it's a learning curve. He was a fifth-round draft pick, so you can't expect the world from him, but he has performed pretty well, I think, overall, um, given the expectations. In this game, we saw Logan Ryan go down against a very tough matchup with DeAndre Hopkins. Sims comes in, and not only, you know, the interceptions, obviously, the big play, and we'll talk about it, but he played well from start to finish, and, like, Hopkins' numbers greatly diminished when Sims came in this game. 
Then he has the big play at the end of that game where he stayed on the outside, and it was obvious that they had Bayard playing on the inside, him playing on the outside. And even though the route looks like it's fading in, he stayed on the outside and then used his body to block Hopkins from getting to that football, getting the interception. And it might have been, you know, kind of a stupid play to take it out of the end zone, but he was excited. He's young. He made a huge play. And anyways, it didn't hurt us because they called him down by contact in the end zone anyway. So overall, a fantastic play made against a very, very good wide receiver. Uh, All around, just an amazing play. And it helped us steal that victory because if they go down there and score, then we have to come back and win with very little time left. So I was very impressed with the game that LaShawn Sims had, you know, stepping up into a role that was a very tough one for him to play. And you're playing it against an elite wide receiver as a, you know, your second year in the league, a fifth round draft pick. It was very impressive the way he stood up and played in this football game. He deserves recognition for it. Overall, this game was another win for us, obviously. We're up to 8-4 and four now. We stay alive in the playoff hunt. We're still very, very revelant in the playoff hunt. Like, even if we lose this division, we are setting very well in a very good spot for the wild card. So, obviously, a very important win. I'd like to see us, you know, separate a little bit more, you know, win these games a little bit bigger. But we're winning games, and there is a positive to take away from this. So, I wanted to talk about this real quick. Because we have, you know, played some weaker teams outside of Pittsburgh, and we've beaten all of them, obviously, you know, Pittsburgh being the exception there. But these weaker teams, we're beating in low-scoring games. You know, almost all of them are in that, like, 20 to 24 points for us and anywhere between 20 and 17, 13 points for them. You know, close games against weaker teams. But the one positive thing to take away, because you can say, we're not beating these teams the way that we should. And that can make you nervous. And that's, you know, that's fair. But this team is resilient. This team is winning hard-fought close football games. These teams that are blowing teams out every week, you know, you see the Eagles doing it. You see the Rams keep doing it. Um, you know, those teams that keep blowing everybody out of the water, they're not getting that battle-tested resiliency, that faith that you have in the players around you to win games late in football games this team's getting that, and it's not coming from one person. It's not, you know, Marcus out there just slings the rock and wins football games, kind of like, you know, what you would see in Detroit with Matt, Matthew Stafford, is he sometimes just takes over football games in the fourth quarter. We're seeing it come from, well, one, Derrick Henry, you know, is outstanding in the fourth quarter, but you're also seeing the defense step up and play harder in the fourth quarter. You're seeing, you know, LaShawn Sims come up with a huge play this week. You're seeing different guys all over the running backs you know the different people on the defense including a guy that you know with LaShawn Sims it's a backup really and you're seeing all of these guys step up the whole team making plays to step up late in football games this is a team effort we keep winning on team efforts that's going to be huge come playoff time and come the end of the season when we need big wins late in football games this team's going to be prepared for it this team is going to be it's going to be old news for them they've been doing it like half the season has been very tight wins for us. So, you know, it's it's old hat for us. It's nothing new. It's something that we're going to be very prepared for. That being said, I think all of you would agree with me in saying that I wanted to see us beat the shit out of the Houston Texans to give them payback for what they did to us earlier this year. But a win's a win. They all add up the same. All right, folks, it's time to take a look at what happened in the division outside of us. Uh, Jacksonville played Indy and beat them 30-10. to 
Fournette has yet another poor performance. Indy's rush defense did a good job against us last week. They did a great job against Fournette. He averaged only 2.8 carry or 2.8 yards per carry, excuse me, and he had a lot of carries in this game. But Bortles did come up for big for them in getting this win. You know, as much as we hate to say it, Blake Bortles, every now and then, he's like the poor man's Eli Manning. Like, Eli Manning sometimes comes out and he's just spectacular, and you're like, wow, this guy is, you know, top 10 quarterback easy. And then sometimes he comes out and you're like, wow, this guy's awful. How does he ever start a football game? Blake Bortles has a little bit of that in him, and this game showed that. He came out, and he had a really good game in this one, and they end up getting uh, a win over the Colts. Now, the Colts' secondary, obviously, is not the best. Their pass rush is not. Like, it's a it's a fierce pass rush by no means. But he came out, and he played well. It's something that we're going to have to be able to stifle because I have no... I have no fear what whatsoever in my heart of Fournette. You know, when we come to play them, we're going to shut down Leonard Fournette. Like, that's that doesn't bother me. That doesn't worry me at all. It worries me if we give Bortles a lot of time. In this last game against Houston, we saw Tom Savage get a lot of time in the pocket, and he made some plays. Blake Bortles is a better quarterback than Tom Savage is. Like, he's going to be able to make those plays if we give him time. The pass rush needs to improve. Uh, In this game, we saw the pass rush not get to Bortles, and he made plays. And, and, you know, they obviously, they end up getting the win over the Colts. Uh, Jacksonville next week will host the Seattle Seahawks, so definitely a game for all of us uh, to watch and hopefully very much enjoy when the Seahawks beat Jacksonville and give us an even bigger advantage in this playoff race. Indianapolis will head to Buffalo to take on the struggling Buffalo Bills. Houston was on a bye this week, so they did not have a game. Uh, But next week, Houston hosts San Francisco. Uh, Obviously going to be keeping an eye on that game as well to see how San Francisco matches up with them, considering that that will be our next opponent. Even though they're a weaker team, they do have some things to like, uh, most notably Jimmy Garoppolo. Let's head into the news here, though. We do have some news this week. It's been a while since we've done a news segment, but here we go. Uh, Daquan Jones was placed on season-ending IR for torn bicep injury. Daquan Jones is a guy, you know, we were a little iffy on going into the season. Uh, You know, when Matt and Glenn were here, they're both, you know, kind of down on him. I like Daquan Jones a little bit, but he's an average player. You know what you're going to get. But these last few games, he's really stepped it up. He has three and a half sacks this season. All of those have come in the last two games. So he was really starting to improve his play over the last couple weeks and, you know, obviously now going to be on season-ending IR. This opens up a spot on the on the 53-man roster, and Tennessee filled that. We signed tight end uh, Luke Stalker to a two-year deal with the Titans after being cut by the Buccaneers. Some of you might be very familiar with him if you are Volunteers fans because he played at the University of Tennessee. Uh, he's a very solid, solid veteran blocking tight end. Now, this is a guy that's not going to light up the stats because his bread and butter is is blocking. He's a blocking tight end, although he is very capable of playing fullback. We saw that at his time in Tampa Bay. I watched a lot of tape on this guy today, and, and he was pretty, he's pretty solid for fullback, you know, making the switch to fullback, I should say. Uh, and he does have decent hands. Like He's not a bad pass catcher. He's a good option coming out of the backfield or coming out of the tight end slot. And it really feels to me like Tennessee finally got the replacement for Anthony Fasano. It doesn't feel like we've ever added anybody to the roster that can do this. Like Johnny Smith is a great young player. I'm really excited to see what he does for the rest of his career. But, I mean, let's be honest. He's a pass-catching tight end. He is not a guy that is ultra reliable in you know in um, 
uh, running schemes and in blocking. This guy is Stalker is a guy that you can really trust to go out there and you know hat on hat just push a guy over and open up those holes on the outside for our running backs. And if you've been watching Tennessee Titans football at all, one thing that you know is our running backs love to start inside and break outside. This is a guy that's going to make that even more of a possibility. I, I'm excited. I won't lie. I know it's you know it's not the sexiest signing of all time. That's for sure. But this is a guy that's going to make our running game better. He is going to make DeMarco Murray and Derrick Henry better. By having a guy like this on a team, when we go to those two tight end sets, it's not, you know, super not who would, he's okay at blocking. He's not a bad blocking tight end, and he does make plays here and there. But instead of having, like, you know, Janu and Delaney, who are both pass-catching tight ends, you can throw a guy out here, uh, you know, with Stalker that can put a hat on a hat and just mow someone down. He also has the ability to play a small part in the passing game. You know, he has caught um he's caught some passes in the you know had three touchdowns over seven years so it's not mind-blowing but he's capable of catching the football for sure this is a good signing for us I think this is a very smart move for the Tennessee Titans to make we finally get you know we get Anthony Fasano back for cheap and you know and you know finally get that guy that that blocking downhill kind of guy that could really help us out in the running game so I think it's a great signing. I couldn't be more excited about it. I know everybody that's listening to this is like, you're crazy. We signed you know, a, a no-name blocking tight end. But this is going to help our running game uh, quite a bit, so I'm pretty excited about it. You know, Obviously, terrible news with Daquan Jones going down. This is the time. You know, you have to have these, these guys that are backing him up, notably you know, Carl Klug, step up. So I'm not that worried because I think there's not a big drop-off between uh, Jones and Klug who I think will take a lion's share of those snaps. But, you know, obviously you do not want to lose a guy like Jones, who really seems like he was getting hot in the last few games. So that is the news that we have this week for the Tennessee Titans. So let's go ahead and talk about this playoff picture. First, you have the Patriots and Steelers up at the top. Really, I think this is going to go, the Steelers are going to stay there because they don't really play anybody, like, tough um, until they're meeting in Week 15 with the Patriots. So I really think that game is going to decide who is going to be the one seed and the two seed, unless one of these teams just starts having a breakdown because neither of them have tough games left. For the Patriots, they have at Miami, at Pittsburgh, Buffalo, and then the Jets. The Steelers have at Cincinnati, obviously, on Monday night. Uh, versus Baltimore, versus uh, New England, at Houston, and then versus Cleveland. At the time of recording this, it's Monday night, so that game has not been played yet with the Steelers in Cincinnati, so we do not know the ramifications from it yet. Uh, but Steelers and the Patriots don't have a tough schedule left outside of each other. So these two teams playing each other will likely decide who is going to be a first and who's going to be second in the AFC this season. Obviously, the Tennessee Titans setting in third, and as long as the Steelers get the win tonight against uh, Cincinnati, we will be two games behind uh, first and second place. But right now, setting two games ahead of fourth, this the fourth seed, which is uh, the Kansas City Chiefs, who, after starting five and zero, have lost uh, six of their last seven, and they're really struggling. I don't see them hanging on for very long, but. They are currently in a three-way tie with Oakland and the Chargers for first place. Uh, They just have the tiebreaker right now. So I think you're going to see some switching going on. I think it's either going to be the Raiders or the Chargers, whoever steps up. But I don't think they have enough time or the schedule or the fact that Tennessee is not going to lose very many games from here on out. 
that they're going to be able to come up and jump us. So I think our only real threat right now is the Jacksonville Jaguars. And, you know, to push that further, after the Chiefs, when you get to the sixth, and after, obviously, uh, the Jaguars, the seventh, the sixth seed right now, the Ravens, setting at seven and five, so they're a game back. But everybody backs that is at least two games you know, behind us. So we have a very good lead. You consider having only four games left and you have a two-game lead on everybody that's out of the playoffs, a one-game lead on, you know, the last team in. So we're setting in a great spot right now. Uh, Baltimore still has to play at Pittsburgh, then at Cleveland, at Indy, and versus Cincy at home. So they have, you know, that Cincy game is going to be tough at the end of the year. Pittsburgh, obviously, going to be a very tough game for the Ravens. So one definite loss, I think, there with Pittsburgh, and then one maybe loss. So I think we could end the season uh, setting still atop, atop them very easily, as long as we just handle our business. Now, I'm sure all of you knew all of this information. I just wanted to go over it one more time. I'm going to get into the more interesting thing here, because as I said, the only real threat to us is the Jaguars right now. The people ahead of us are decently far ahead of us. The people behind us are decently far behind us. So the Jaguars are the ones that we have to worry about. Are we going to be the fifth seed going into the playoffs, or are we going to be the third seed? And that all depends on Jacksonville. So most scenarios end with that Week 17 game deciding who wins the division. Most of the ways that you cut it, that is the way it's going to be. But there is one way where that game just would not matter. And it would come down to other games. And that's why these games against uh, the NFC West that we have coming up are vitally important. This scenario would be set up by one event, and that would be Jacksonville losing to Houston. If that happens, it could set up a scenario where that Week 17 game really doesn't matter for us. So it starts off with Jacksonville losing to Houston. This would push, obviously, the record down by one game, so they'd be one game behind us. This would also push their division record one game behind us. So they would be setting at 3-2 and two in the division, and we set at 4-1. and one. This is important because it's one of the main tiebreakers is the division record. First, it's your overall record then divisional record. So that would mean as long as we have the same record, so let's say Titans went out, uh, Jags um, went out except for that Houston game, then come to play us, then we would ha- if Jacksonville won, we'd have the same record. We'd have the same division record. We'd both end the season at 4-2 and two in the division. So it would go to the third tiebreaker, and that would be our record against common opponents. Our record right now against common opponents, and by the way, this does not include divisional games because your divisional record is obviously already being accounted for. Ours is 4-1, and one, Jacksonville's is 4-2. and two. They still have to play Seattle and San Francisco, and we have the Rams, San Francisco, and Arizona left to play. So Rams and Arizona, both games that the Jaguars lost, Seattle obviously a game that we won, we're setting right now pretty close to even. We have a half game advantage over the Jaguars uh, in this, you know, a uh, common game record. So this is where these games become so important. If we can get wins against San Francisco and Arizona, which I think we should be able to, that would push us to a point where Jacksonville could not beat us in same or common um, opponent record. They could, they could tie us, and they could lose to us, but they would not be able to beat us because they already have two losses. At the most, we'd have one loss against the Rams. So that would be the ideal scenario is if we beat San Francisco and Arizona, 
um, and lose to the Rams, they can only tie us. They cannot beat us in common opponent record. Now, if they do tie us in common opponent record, then it goes to a best win-loss tied percentage in games played within the conference. And that would not bode well for us because right now in the conference, outside of the division, we're three and three. They are five and one. There's no way for us to catch up in that. All of our opponents come from the NFC outside of Jacksonville, who we have left to play, and obviously that would set up the tiebreaker anyway. So as long as we don't tie in these common uh, games, then we will be fine to win the division uh, in the common game tie. I know this is really complicated, and it most likely will not happen. But it could possibly happen. It is something that could possibly happen. The big thing is, is still, that game in Week 17, in that scenario, if we win, we're in. That's most of how it's going to work from here on out. Because we have the tiebreaker with them. Our record or our schedules kind of match up almost too perfectly. It's almost eerie because they have some easy games, one tough game. We have some easy games, one tough game. Then we play each other. So that game is still going to be meaningful, but if we do lose, there's still a chance for us to lose that football game and still win the division, but it's got to be that precise. It has to be they lose to Houston, which sets up us to have a tie within the division record, and then it goes to common games. But if we have a tie in common games, they're going to win the tiebreaker that comes after that, which is games within the conference. I know this is pretty complicated, but I hope I explained that very well. Let's just go out and win in Week 17 and not worry about all this bullshit, though. <laughs> Let's do that. Let's go be some ass in Week 17 and not have to worry about all of this. But let's move on to the next thing here. Real quick before we jump into the game recap, I do have a little bit of exciting news. I'm working on something. I can't get too into detail about it right now, but I'm working on something uh, as like a little Christmas gift to all the listeners out there, something that's coming forward. Um... It's going to be like a giveaway style thing. I'm too excited not to talk about it, even though I really can't talk about it much. Just little teaser here. You'll be hearing about it more in the next episode and episodes to come. But pretty excited about it because uh, some fans are going to get to go home with some pretty cool stuff. But just a little teaser this week. Next week, I promise, I'll be uh, delivering the great news. I'm pretty excited about this. But let's move on here to this Arizona game. The 8-4 and four Tennessee Titans head to Arizona to take on the 5-7 and seven Cardinals. This is a Cardinals team that is middle of the road in pretty much every statistical category, including the record, really. They're not a great team, but they are not really terrible in any one area. Uh, so you, can, you can't like let up. You can't let them get the best of you. You have to come out and attack this football team. And play really hard. This is going to be the harder, hardest matchup we've had, you know, in the last few games. Outside of that Pittsburgh game, we haven't played any tough teams recently. So this is going to be a difficult matchup if we let it be. Um, so let's talk about the keys of this game. Our offense versus their defense. All things considered, Arizona's middle of the road pass defense. It's not good. It's not great. We should be able to move the ball against them. It shouldn't be an issue. Although, moving the football through the air, we seem to be our own worst enemy when it comes to passing. We seem to get in our own way more often than not. You know, obviously, I really want Marcus to continue playing turnover-free football, which is you know has been an issue this year. I also want to see him start picking out these receivers earlier in routes and, and finding that guy to go to 
there's not really a go-to guy right now outside of Delaney Walker. I want him to find that guy in the receiving core and really play with that. But I also think that Robisky needs a better job, needs to do a better job, sorry, of getting guys open. You know, Corey Davis needs to be getting open more. I mean, Decker, I watch game tapes every week, and I get so mad because there's so many plays where Decker is open, but we're just not looking that, the, you know, the play's built to the right side, so Marcus isn't going to look left because he's like his fourth or fifth read. Those plays should be set up every now and again where that is, that is his first read because Decker's open, uh, you know, an argument for another day, though. Also, get Decker more involved in the red zone. I mean, it's it's obvious. It's it's unbelievable we haven't gotten to this point yet, but that needs to happen. But we need to find that guy, and I think I know who that guy is, but I'm going to save it and tell you on my X Factor. When we run the football, this is a slightly above edge, above average rush defense. We saw what they did against Jacksonville. I mean, they really shut Leonard Fournette down when those two teams played. We have to be able to move the ball. I think it starts again. I've talked about this a few times. Start with the pass to open up the run. Use Marcus as a weapon, both his arm and his legs. You know, really spread this defense out. You know, if we get to that point where all we're doing is running and they start stacking the box, this rush defense is good enough that they are going to be stopping us. We need to be able um, to keep the threat of the pass alive. That way we can keep the running lanes open um, and, you know, have some real positive gains. Those plus carries, uh, you know, the territory where you get four more yards on a run, that's where we need to be um, consistently throughout this football game. Because this defense is not what it once was, but it's not bad. You know, they're, like I said, middle of the road uh, pass defense, but they still have a solid secondary. Like, the reason is their pass rush is not there. There's nobody there, you know, really dominant pass rusher. They're kind of in the same boat that we are, or similar boat. I won't say the same, but similar boat as we are. Is They have a secondary that can do work, I mean, theirs, I would say, is even better than ours, but they don't have a pass rush to make it fierce. So I'm expecting our offensive line to have a good game. I'm expecting um, Marcus to have a lot of time in the pocket to be able to make good decisions to get the ball out. My X factor for this game is going to be Taewon Taylor. Matthews is still going to be out this game, it looks like. Taylor's going to have to be a guy. Marcus likes, you know, he did good when Kendall Wright was on the field. He does great with Rashad Matthews. These guys that can play that slot area and are crafty, Taewon Taylor is like that. He's just like, not the same player, but the similar mold. Taewon Taylor, though, in order for this to happen, he needs to be able to catch these balls because we've seen it all year long. I've talked about it when we drafted Taylor. I've talked about it all season. He does not catch 50-50 balls. He Gets, gets good separation, and he'll catch it with his body, which is fine, whatever. If you're in separation and turn it upfield, he can make plays. We've seen him do it. But when he has to use his hands to catch the football in tight windows, he drops a lot of those passes. So we need to get a lot of crossing routes, a lot of slants, stuff where we're going to get quick release for Taewon Taylor, hit him, and let him make those big plays for us. We don't do that nearly enough. I think Taewon Taylor's going to be my X Factor. I'm hoping he has a big game. Uh against Arizona this week on the defensive side of things. Our defense right now has been very good against the run. This defense has a dismal running game without David Johnson. I believe it is one of the worst in almost every statistical category. Uh, it, just awful. This is the one part of this Arizona football team that is dreadful is this running game. 
So it's not much to worry about. I think we'll be able to shut it down. The thing to worry about is the passing attack. It is a little scary because obviously we want to play teams that are built like Jacksonville that have a really strong running game and can't pass the football. Not saying Arizona's going to light us on fire. This isn't a quarterback that's going to be able to light you on fire, but it is their strength. They do have a solid group of receivers. You know, they do have Larry Fitzgerald who can, you know, is always primed to have a big game even though he's like 110 now. Like a dude is just ageless. He's he's a great football player and they have wide receivers outside of him that can really make plays. Logan Ryan is in concussion protocol. We do not have a timetable for him yet. It, you know, it, it's looking like to me it's looking like he won't play. So we need LaShawn Sims to come up and have another big game. He's going to go up against another receiver that can really play. And, you know, all of the receivers on their team can make big plays. So we need to be able to limit what this wide receiver core can do against us. The best way to do that is the pass rush. This is a team in Arizona that have really struggled to protect their quarterback. Their offensive line has not been playing very well. They've given up the eighth most sacks in the league. They're tied for that stat. We need to be able to get in there and make a difference. No Daquan Jones there, but you still have Jarrell Casey, Brian Arakpo, Derek Morgan, uh, Carl Clue. You have guys that can really put pressure on a quarterback. That needs to happen in this football game. I talked about Tom Savage and Blake Bortles earlier about how if you give them time, they will hurt you. Blaine Gabbard is in that boat. Blaine Gabbard has arm talent. We've seen him have some you know, semblance of success over the past two years. He's going to hurt you if you give him time. He's capable of putting up big stat lines. You need to be able to get pressure on him. We need to be able to get in there and make him uncomfortable. We need to get sacks in this game. Tennessee has to be able to get off on him because if he has time, these wide receivers are good enough that they're going to bail him out on plays. They're going to make Gabbert look better than he is. And Gabbert's not a terrible, terrible quarterback. He, you know, He's decent. He's going to be able to move the ball against us if we do not get in his face and shut that down. Now, the one thing that's nice about this is we really don't have to worry about a rushing attack. As good as our rush defense is, or good, as good as our defensive line is against the run, I think you really focus on this pass attack and really go after it, really attack it. I expect Dick LeBeau to do that all game long. That's going to be a big key to success. That's going to be my X factor, is this pass rush. Getting in there, making Gabbard uncomfortable, forcing him into bad throws, incompletions, interceptions. That is the key for us to win this game. They're not going to be able to run the ball against us, but we do not have a good pass defense right now. We do have a tendency to give up a lot of passing yards. You saw the stat line um, for Tom Savage last week. It does not look bad, you know, all things considered. If you look at the numbers that he put up, we need to not let Blaine Gabbard do that against us. Get the, in his face, make him uncomfortable, force him into bad decisions, as I said earlier. That is a key uh, for us to win this football game. Also, another thing that I was looking at earlier, uh, this Arizona team does not get a lot of takeaways and they have a tendency to give the ball up. So forcing turnovers, not just in the passing game, but also in, in the way of fumbles, something to look for in this football game. It could have a big impact. My final prediction for this football game is going to be 27-16 to 16 Titans winning it. I, I think that this is a team that we're going to be able to separate a little bit from. I think Marcus got a little bit better this week. We saw DeMarco Murray come back. The play calling wasn't miserable, although I will bring up this one play real quick where we did the uh, three down linemen, Marcus, then we had uh, four 
wide receiver split out to one side, two to the other side, and tried to throw a screen pass to the weak side. What a dumb play call. What are you doing, man? Like, what do you, where do you come up with this stuff? Like, that was just, it was stupid. I did not like it, did not care for it at all. I uh, did not like that play. But we need to be able to, uh, like I said, limit what they can do to us in the passing game. We need to pass to set up the run again, and we need to be able to get our running backs open running lanes. Uh, you know, obviously, just like each and every week, for us to have success, we need to be able to run the football. This team has the ability to slow down that rush attack, so we need to be able to use that pass effectively. So a big thing is going to be Robisky and his play calling. Can he get us good passing plays that are going to be able to get you know, the, the field stretched, get move this team down the football field, get generate big plays. We never get big plays right now in the passing game. Another thing we need to work on. But really, it all comes down to making this defense respect the pass enough that they have to neglect the run a little bit. And once they do that, our running backs are going to do damage. As I said, my final prediction, 27-16. to Tennessee's going to win this football game as they should. We'll keep an eye on that Jacksonville game. Obviously, Seattle, a very tough opponent, and it seems like they're getting better as the year goes on and they're finding their stride. And a win against Jacksonville, you know, pushing Jacksonville down behind us would be massive for us. It'd give us another leg up, uh, you know, heading into this final playoff push. It would be awesome to make the playoffs, but let's not kid ourselves. It would be amazing to be able to win this division this year. We're setting in the right spot. We just have to close out. So obviously keep an eye on that Tennessee Titans game this week, as I know you all will. And then afterwards, watch this uh, Jacksonville game. And let's all be, you know, we're all Titans fans, but everybody I think in Nashville is going to be a little bit of a Seahawks fan. We the, the so-called 13th man is what we'll be uh, for Seattle, hoping they get that win over Jacksonville. Takes a little bit of pressure off of us. Um, and who doesn't like to see Jacksonville lose? I mean, it, it's it's just a blast. Thanks, everybody, for listening to the show. That's all we have this week. A little bit shorter, but we have some more stuff on the horizon coming up. I'm really excited about some guests I'm very excited about coming up very soon. You can find the show on pretty much everywhere, guys. iTunes, Google Play, TuneIn, Stitcher. Anywhere that you find podcasts, you'll be able to find uh, Two-Tone Uncensored. Please, one more thing before I get off here. However you listen to us, Give us a good rating. Give us that five-star rating. If you like listening to the show, it helps us with advertisers and and other things. So give us that five-star rating if you listen to the show, and we greatly appreciate it. Let's go, Titans. Let's handle this Arizona team. Keep this playoff and division-winning hopes alive. Tighten up.